Thank you. There's certain sounds I, I love hearing. And I'm guessing you're probably with me on, on these. Uh, uh, the sound of ocean waves or the waves of a lake breaking against the shore. Growing up in Minnesota, that, I have great memories of that. Or the sound of a thunderstorm or, or better yet, a gentle falling rain on a summer night. Wouldn't you agree it's hardly anything better than hearing rain just, you know, to fall asleep at night and having that rain coming down and... Uh, or how about the steady rhythm of a, of a grandfather clock and with it the hourly chime? I know probably some of you are going, what, what's a grandfather clock? You know? But, you know, and then uh, where we live in our neighborhood, somewhere between two and four in the morning, so, uh, I, I can hear the sound of a train making its way through West Omaha. I love that. Just something about it, the rumbling and... and um, and, and, and then I'm betting that there are some of you here today who like the sound of a fan at night. I've, I've met more than a few 20 and 30 year olds who go to sleep with the fan running. As Jeff does that. Uh, you know, I couldn't believe it. When, one time when Jeff and I were at a conference and, 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 uh, and he wanted to leave the bathroom fan going. Came, I was in bed already and the fan was running. I said, Jeff, you forgot to turn the fan off. And he said, well, I like to have the you know, something about the 20 and 30, anybody do that here by any chance? Yeah, okay, confess, good. Yeah, I remember, I remember a couple years ago who, uh, to put their child to sleep, they, they got into this thing of the vacuum cleaner running. That was wild. So, so there, there's a few sounds that I, I love hearing, you know, I, I, I enjoy it. But I gotta, I gotta tell you, none of them come close to what it means to me to hear the sound of Becky's voice. I mean, I can still remember the first time I heard it. I, I know where I was. It was in a library at college. And, and now, 40 years later, I know, I know it better than any other voice, and, and I love absolutely every part of her voice. I, I love to hear that voice tell me how much loves me, you know, how much I'm loved. I, I love hearing it laugh. I, I, I love hearing it encourage me or someone else. I, I love hearing it speak wisdom and truth into my, into my life. I, I love when it's firm and says the tough things that I need to hear. I love it when it disagrees with me. I love hearing its passion for something that, that really, really, really matters. But best thing of all, I love hearing it tell me that I'm right. <laughs> uh, just kidding. Hey. Seriously, I, I cannot imagine these last 40 years without Becky's voice. I, I can't imagine not hearing her voice the rest of my life. Yeah? You know, you know everybody, where there is love where there's a relationship between two people, there are words. There are words. You really can't have one without the other. And the, and the same is true in our relationship with God, which, which if you think about it, you can't help but agree is wonderfully amazing. It's just amazing. Because there's no greater love than God's love, and there's no relationship as meaningful as the relationship that you and I can have with God with God. It's something I'll never get over. I'll never get over it. The thrill of knowing that God speaks to us. It's, it, it's what makes this book that we open 
each Sunday so absolutely incredible for us to know that the Spirit of God once spoke to men and, and guided them in writing down exactly what God wanted us to know about himself and with this, how it's possible for us to have a relationship with God and, and, and what this means for us during our years on earth and for all of eternity to, to know that God did this for us in the past. I mean, it's like, wow. But also to know that the Spirit of God speaks to us through this book right now, today, in the most intimate and personal way possible to guide each one of us on how we're to live our lives. I had lunch with one of the men in our church this week and I love how he, how he said what the Bible has meant in his own life. He, in, in his own words, he said to me, you know, Steve, there's no way that I'd be the person I am today apart from daily guidance and strength that I've found through listening to God speak to me through this book, through the Bible. Yeah. yeah. If you're here today and you've never read a page in the Bible, I want to encourage you to do what I've asked so many people to do for a lot of years now. And that is just like, you know, go home and, and, and go to the, you know, the Bible has a, an Old Testament part and a New Testament part and go to a book like that like the Gospel of Matthew or Mark or Luke or John, and, and, and just start reading it. And what you're going to find, I can just guarantee you, it'll just blow you away what you're going to find. So great. So good. Might be that you're going through a really tough time in your life right now. Might even say it's a horrible time. And if I, could, if I could sit down with you one-on-one and we could just have a personal conversation, the thing that I would that I would say to you is that absolutely the best thing you could do for yourself in dealing with what you're having to deal with in your life right now is to just simply begin reading this book because it has what you need. I know that. I know that from experience. And I know that because of what I've seen in the lives of so many people. And it, it, it might be that you would say to me, well, Steve, I don't even know where to begin with this. And I, and, and I would say to you, if I, could, if I could have a conversation with you, I'd say, that's, that's part of the reason we're here, you know. I, 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 want, I would want to be here for you. I would, I would, I, and I know the rest of the staff would. I would want to do everything I could to help you understand how to read this book and, and how to use it and apply it in your life and and you know it's we do that because we're convinced that the best way to find purpose and joy and deal successfully with the toughest issues that you're going to face is to allow the bible to be your authority on how to live life what i'm talking about is why this passage we come to this morning is so significant for all of us because in it Jesus points us to the word of God he points us to this book the Bible and 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 what he said helps us understand how important this book really is for each one of us and and how it is that you and I should respond to it so let's see what he said let's begin with that so Matthew chapter 5 verse 17 four verses he said, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. By the way, let me just make sure you understand what the law and the prophets are. If you, if you go in the Old Testament, that, the first part of the Bible, you'll find that there is the law that God gave. And at the heart of this law are the Ten Commandments. Okay, that's like the epitome of the law of God. 
Okay, that's what matters most to God. Those Ten Commandments that he gave us. And then if you read all the way through the, through the Old Testament, you see that there were men known as prophets. And, and, and they wrote, you know, like a book of Isaiah or, or, you know, any one of those books. I mean, massive books. And, and, and they, 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 they not only looked into the future, but they also spoke God's truth for the present. They, and so really it's what Jesus Christ was talking about is all of the, all of the scripture, all of the written word that God gave us. All right, let's continue. So he said, do not think that I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Anyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven, but... But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. If you've been looking for a, a, a summary statement that tells you what Jesus thought of the Bible, you've got it in these four verses. He he, what he does is he gives us the strongest possible endorsement we could have of the Bible. And he made four very strong and definitive statements. And if you, you, you read those four statements, and you and I are not guessing how Jesus viewed Scripture. We, we can know that there is no question, no doubt that he recognized it as, as God's word, as the ultimate source of truth and the final authority for how you and I should live our lives. And it's not that Jesus believed this just a little bit, you know, kind of mildly, you know. Well, uh, you know not, not like that at all. The, the, the phrase he used at the beginning of verse 18 emphasizes how strong a conviction this was for him. He, he said, you see that in verse 18? He began by saying, I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. And anyone listening to him that day would have known that he was using a word there that meant that he believed this intensely with all of his heart. He, he was passionate about this. And here's the deal, everybody. Certainly, certainly Jesus is passionate about this book simply because it's God's word. I mean, my goodness, why wouldn't you be passionate about it? He's passionate about this book because it gives us the truth about God. He's passionate about this book because it, it, it shows us how, how it's possible for us to bring glory to God. I mean, he's passionate about all of that, and that's reason to be passionate. But he's also passionate about this book because he has an intense love for each one of us. He has an intense love for you, for me. And he knows how much we need it to show us what is true and, and what is right as you and I live in a world where there is so much confusion about both. About both. That's why I take so seriously what I do here each Sunday and what I do in preparing sermons and why I'm grateful for the privilege God's given me to spend this time with you each Sunday. I just, this is, this is big stuff, <laughs> So this morning, we're going to look at each one of these four statements to 
See how they help us understand what it means to live under the authority of God's word. What this means for us. And, and beginning with the first statement where Jesus said he's the fulfillment of Old Testament scripture. Really. So again, verse 17, he said, he said, don't make a mistake about this. He said, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. He said, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Jesus made this statement, he did two things, all right? First of all, he gave us a, a macro level, a, a, a large-scale view of the Bible. How do they say that, like the 30,000-foot view? Is that, is that how you say that? You're just, you're just this big view of it. He, and, and in doing this, he gives us a very clear understanding of what the Bible is, First and foremost, before anything else. So that's the first thing he does. Second, he declares that he's going to do what no one's ever done or no one will ever do. He'll live a life of perfect obedience to the will of God. So first of all, the macro, the big picture view of the Bible. Jesus shows us in this statement that the Bible is about himself. Before anything else, anything else... That's what this book is. That's what the Bible is. It's a, it's a story about Jesus Christ. It, it's a true story, a true story in the best sense of the word, you know? Nonfiction in the best sense. What he does for us is so valuable because it impacts how you read and apply scripture to your life. It, it helps us keep the main thing the main thing. It, to, to know who Jesus Christ is, to trust him alone for your salvation, to value what he valued, and to live like he lived. So when you read scripture, more, this more than anything else is what you need to read it for. You, you read it because you, you read it to know Jesus Christ as well as you possibly can. And you read it to grow in your devotion to him and to become like him. All right? Second, he's saying, I'm going to do what no one's ever done. I'm going to do what no one, ever, no one else ever will do. He said, I'm going I'm to live a life of perfect obedience to God's word. Everything that God tells us in this book we're to do, he said, I'm going I'm to do that. He's saying to, to, to his listeners and to us today that he's going to live under the authority of God's word, under the authority of God, and he's going to do it perfect, perfectly. There's, gonna, there's not going to be an exception to this. And, and, and you know what? When it was all said and done and his life was over and he was crucified on a cross, you could look back on his life every single minute of his life, and he did exactly what he said he would do every day, every minute of his life. He was perfectly obedient to this book. Now, you want to factor in both of these every time you're reading God's Word. First of all, the Bible is all about Jesus. You and I are to read it to know him as well as we possibly can to grow in our devotion to him and become like him. That's the, that's the main thing. And then this whole thing that Jesus lived a life of complete and perfect obedience to God's word. And so you factor these two in when you read the Bible and, 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 and you say to yourself, you say to yourself, you say this. Life for me, life for me as a follower of Christ is all about being like Christ. 
Christ didn't make any exception to living under the authority of God's word. And so why should I make any exception in my life? I should do exactly the same thing that Jesus Christ did. That, that should be what I want, to live like Jesus lived. Second statement. Where Jesus declares the certainty of God's will being accomplished. He, in verse 18, he said this. <laughs> He said, I, I, I tell you the truth. Again, passion there. He said, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. How many times have you heard this said? Okay, how many times have you heard this said? Here today, gone tomorrow. Anybody ever hear that? Here today, gone tomorrow. Yeah. You know, that points to the fact that everything has a temporary nature to it. Everything. Think of anything that exists right now. I, even, even our nation. Even the United States of America. And nothing is guaranteed to exist tomorrow. To be here tomorrow. Nothing. With the exception of one thing Jesus Christ said. God's word. This book. This book. This is what he's saying until, until it's all done and everything God said he would accomplish is accomplished. Everything written in scripture is here to stay. And what that means for you and me, friends, what this means for us that's so wonderful is that you and I can stake our life on this. We can stake our life on it. Yeah. So if you're looking for something that is solid to build your life on, here it is, friend. Here it is. It's the truth of God's word. And this is so important to factor in when you're deciding whether or not you're going to obey what's written in it, whether or not you're going to live under its authority. Okay? I know about you, but I don't want to build my life on anything that doesn't, that's not solid, that's not going to last forever. Okay? Third statement. Status in God's kingdom is determined by our obedience to God's word. Status in God's kingdom is determined by our obedience to God's word. Look at how Jesus said this in verse 19. Powerful statement. He said, anyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. See, Jesus gives us two choices every time we're faced with a decision of whether or not we're going to be obedient to God's word. Two choices with huge consequences. The consequences being greatness, greatness or littleness in heaven, in God's kingdom forever. I mean, talk about consequences for what we do or don't do. It doesn't get any bigger than that. So, for example, from the Ten Commandments, speaking of the law, the law, you, 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 read, you read this in Genesis chapter 20, these, these commands. Uh, Honor your father and your mother. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house or anything that belongs to your neighbor. You read any one of those commands, and then the time comes when you're faced with a decision. Will I or won't I do this? Or, for example, from what Jesus taught in the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, all of Matthew 5, 6, and 7, what we're going to be looking at in the weeks to come, 
what he said about things like, like anger or lust or integrity or loving our enemies or money. Look at any one of those. And then the time comes when you're faced with a decision, what am I going to do about this? I mean, again, it could be, what am I going to do about being an angry person? Or, or what am I going to do about sexual lust? Or what am I going to do about living a life of integrity? Or loving people who hate me? Or, or what am I going to do about the money that God's given to me? Am I going to be greedy with it? Or am I going to be generous with it? You know? You know? Read all of Scripture and hear what God has to say about every single aspect of our lives and know that not just once, but again and again and again, we're faced with a decision to obey or not obey. And far quicker than we imagine possible, we find ourselves at the end of a lifetime of making those choices. And we'll look back and we'll see a repetition of choices that form a pattern in our life. A pattern of choosing to obey or a pattern of choosing not to obey God. And what that pattern determines, everybody, and you just can't miss this. What this pattern determines is our status in God's kingdom, whether it is greatness or littleness. And i got to tell you, it doesn't get any bigger than this. In my 36 years of being a pastor, one of the most tragic mistakes I've seen people make is thinking when they're young. Well, I'll do what's right later. Later. It's so tragic because you know what? Later never seems to come. The truth is, everybody, the longer we live, the more ingrained our choices and habits become, and the more difficult it is to want to change what we know should change. And you know what? what's even worse than that? Eventually, eventually you'll reach a point where you don't want to change. You just become that hard against God. And the opposite is equally true. Every time we make the right choice, it makes it easier to make the right choice again. It does, it does, I know it. And, and, and you know what else? It's also true, every time we make the right choice, the more we're going to want to make the right choice again. Now, I could give you, friends, I could give you one example after another in people's lives, multiple examples where this is true, you become what you choose. You become what you choose. I'd say that's really worth considering, carefully considering. Would you? Would you agree with me? Now you can tell me. I agree. Huh? Huh? Good. Good. Just want to make sure. Fourth statement. All right. And I, I, I'm going to say it this way. You cannot fake with God. You can't fake with God. And I say it this way because it's, it is, that is exactly what was being done by the men Jesus points to in verse 20. When, when he said this, he said, he said, I tell you, I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and teachers of the law, you're certainly not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Wow. On the outside, to everybody else, the Pharisees and teachers of the law looked like they were devoted to God's law. And this, is, this was true for two reasons, everybody. Okay? 
If anyone knew what the law of God was, these guys knew. They were the experts. I mean, if you had a, if you had a question about, about God's word, about the Old Testament law, man, you go to those guys and they'd have the answer. Man, they had all the answers. And the second thing these guys did was they created ways of getting around God's word and still making themselves look good. You see, the problem with both of these is, first of all, knowing a lot doesn't prove anything. It just doesn't. It's what you do with what you know that makes all the difference. That's what counts. And these guys, they didn't do what God's word said they should do. What they did do was pick what they wanted to do. They kind of picked and chose. You know, you know, I like this, I don't like that. I'll do this, I won't do that. And you know what else they did? They would just ignore things that they wanted to ignore. Or they would play with scripture where they would bend it to make it say something that they wanted it to say rather than what it really said. You see, you see in, instead of submitting to the authority of God's God and the authority of God's word, they played with God's word to make it what they wanted to be. Bottom line, you see, bottom line for these guys, it was all about them. It wasn't about Jesus Christ. It wasn't about God at all. Okay? Worst thing of all, worst thing of all. These men were as self-righteous as anybody could possibly be. They convinced themselves that they deserved eternal life with God in heaven. That they earned it. And they didn't see any need of personal repentance of their sin. They didn't see any need of God's forgiveness in their life. And that's why Jesus said what he said in verse 20. Again, look at that statement. He said, I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and teachers of the law, you're certainly not going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. You see, you see, everybody, this is what Jesus Christ was saying. The righteousness that you and I need to be righteous before God is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Yeah? Brings it all back to Jesus Christ. Without this, you and I will never enter the kingdom of heaven without personal faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior. Now, now, to really bottom line this, everybody, and coming back to the Bible as being the ultimate and final authority for our lives, this means you and I choosing to live under God's authority. It means where we say with conviction, boy, it's not all about me. It's all about Jesus Christ. I can tell you this, everybody. I can tell you this with total confidence that the best decision you can make for your life is to live under God's authority, under the authority of God's word. You're never going to go wrong doing this. This, more than anything else, will give you purpose and joy and peace and help you deal with all the issues of life. And in the end, friend, it's going to guarantee you greatness in God's eternal kingdom. If you're hearing me say this today and it's all new for you, all new, and you want this for your life, I want to tell you this morning, it is as simple as making the decision to open this book up every day and read it and let it speak to you. And saying to God when you do this, God, God, help me understand what I'm reading here. God, help me understand how to take it and use it in my own life and live it out in my own life. And God, give me the strength and give me the courage to do it. And you know what? You can be totally honest with God. 
I've told people this for years. You can, even, you can even do this to the point of saying, God, I don't even know if I want to do what you're telling me to do in this book. God, I don't even know if I like this. God, I haven't made my mind up yet. You know what, you know what I say to you? <laughs> if you add something to that conversation with God and you say, but God, I really, I, I think I really want to. But I, you know, need your help. You know what? God has a great way of answering a prayer like that. <laughs> and wow, you just, before you know it, he's changing you from the inside out. You're falling in love with him. You just love hearing his voice. Or you know what? It might be that you've read the Bible for years. You know this book so well. You, you could answer all the questions anybody has. But you know what? You read it like one of the Pharisees. You read it, but you haven't lived it. And what I want to say to you this morning is, friend, get honest with God. Get honest with God. Tell God how it's really been in your life. And tell God that you want to change, that, that you want to begin reading the Bible with, with, with this attitude and the mindset is, what I read, I'm going to obey. I'm going to do it. <laughs> or it might be, you've heard me this morning, and you've been sporadic in reading the Bible. It's been hit and miss with you. Oh, some days, some days, and then not, not other days, maybe not weeks. And, 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 and because it's been hit and miss, you have been missing more than hitting the way that God wants you to live. And so what I want to say to you this morning is, man, just step up, friend. Step up, follower of Christ. Step up to what you know should be happening in your life. Make this book a daily priority in your life. Don't let one day go by after another day and after another day without spending time in this word, in, in God's word, and letting the Spirit of God, the voice of God, speak to you every single day. So I'll say it again. I can tell you, friend, with total confidence that the best decision you can make for your life is to live under God's authority, under the authority of God's word. You'll never go wrong doing this. This, more than anything else, will give you purpose and joy and peace. And in the end, friend, it's going to guarantee you greatness in the kingdom of God. Greatness in the kingdom of God. Now, I heard some cheering last night at that football game. And you know what? You know what I want, I want us to do right now? I want us to stand up and I want us to cheer God and applaud God at the top of our voice and clapping our hands. You do that with me? Let's do it. All right? Come on, let's cheer God. All right. Serious. Thank you, God. All right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. All right. Yeah. Awesome. Now, you can sit down, and we're going to worship some more. And, and, and when, when some people come out of the water today, do the same thing. Just get excited. Cheer them, okay? Let's worship God as we, uh, as we listen to this.